Well, we are thankful for our moms and all the things they do for us. Uh, our family had a couple weeks here without our mom this spring. She went on that vacation that little, uh, that little kid was talking about. And uh, the moms are the beating heart of a home. So we know what that's all about. I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the 126th Psalm. So if you don't have your own Bible, grab one of the pew Bibles in the rack in front of you and turn to Psalm 126. This is a picture taken by our mommy at our home. Thank you for your uh, ministry of making all things beautiful for us. I thought we might start in, in on the book of Galatians this week, but I'm not quite ready to jump into that. So come back next week and we'll see. Next week we are going to celebrate a baptism as well, the one I was talking about on Resurrection Sunday. So you're going to want to come back next week for that and for diving into Galatians, I think. But today we're going to dive into the 126th Psalm. This is one of my favorites. It's one of the Psalms of Ascent. Those songs that the Israelite pilgrims would sing as they made their way up to Jerusalem for the high holy days of Jewish worship in Old Testament time. It's really beautiful. And it instills hope in anyone who reads it with a heart of faith. One of my Old Testament professors from Trinity Divinity School says, if we dwell thoughtfully in the atmosphere of Psalm 126 for long, we cannot remain disheartened. We will find in it a tonic for our tired arms, legs, and souls, for that is why God put this psalm in His Bible. Doesn't that sound good? Not as good as this psalm sounds. The language of Psalm 126 is stunningly beautiful and spiritually refreshing. One of the things I love the most about this psalm is that it looks backward and it looks forward. It looks back on what God has done and it looks forward to what God will do. And I think that followers of Jesus Christ need to have that kind of a perspective, both always looking backward and always looking forward. Because God has always been faithful in the past and He always will be in the future forever. And that's one of the reasons why I picked this psalm for this Mother's Day. Because Christian mothers need to have that same perspective as well. I know that whenever I talk to my Heather about what I should say to moms on Mother's Day, her answer is always some variation of, keep on going. You can do it, mom. Don't quit. Don't slow down. Keep going. God is faithful. There's a harvest on the way. And that's the message of Psalm 126. Let's read it. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with Him. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word. It comes to us in so many different ways. 
And here we have a psalm, and a beautiful psalm, but one, that, one that's written in almost like it's in a minor key. Though it's talking about something that happened in a major key. It's almost sad, and yet it's joyful. It's got tears, and it's got loud singing. Or that's what life is like. This psalm is about life for Christians. And I pray we would see it and we would, we would lay it over our lives and it would give us a pattern for how to sing and pray and live. Would you do that, Lord? We're listening. We're listening for your word. We're listening for your voice. Speak to us. We pray it in the name of Jesus who we want to get all the glory. Amen. Did you hear the title of today's message as I read it? Songs of Joy? It's this phrase that the psalmist repeats again and again as he, as he does these six quick verses. Songs of Joy. Songs of Joy. Songs of Joy. The English Standard Version has an even stronger translation. It says, Shouts of Joy. Shouts of Joy. Shouts of Joy. The idea is unbridled exclamations of gladness. I went looking for another word that meant exclamations, and I found this word in the dictionary, ekphonesis. Ekphonesis. It means loud shouts of exclamation. It's, it's kind of like when your team does something tremendous on the field or the court or the track. What do you say? Woohoo! Right? Maybe it's louder than that, right? I won't, I won't hurt my microphone. I won't hurt your ears with how you guys are when you see something amazing, right? You jump off, off the couch. You jump up in the stands and you wave your arms and you sing the fight song and it's loud shouts of joy. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, songs of joy. I know I haven't gotten anywhere close to her. I remember the feelings Heather and I had when she gave birth to each of our children here today. Those were songs of joy days. And I see the joyful looks on the faces of these two couples up here this morning. Brianna and Jeremy, Mary Beth and Jim. Big ear-to-ear grins, right? For months they've had big ear-to-ear grins. Songs of joy. Life can be like that. As God blesses. But life is not always like that, is it? Life is not always a bed of pink roses. Life is not always continuous songs of joy on constant repeat. Not if we're being honest. And the Bible is always honest with us. Sometimes life is really hard and painful, and difficult, and uncomfortable, and it's sad, and it hurts. That's true for everybody, but it's definitely true for mothers. Mothers live with heartache. It's just part of the job. And it's true for all of us. Life can be really tough. So Psalm 126 comes along, and it gives us a pattern for our prayers during those hard times. It falls neatly into two parts, verses 1 through 3, which I think, again, look backwards. 
and verses 4 through 6, which look forward. And both parts talk about songs of joy. Number one, thank God for songs of joy in the past. Look again at verse 1. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Isn't that beautiful language? Now, we don't know what the situation is that the psalmist is referring to in verse 1, but we do know that it was a really good thing. The old NIV translates it, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion. So it could be describing a return from exile, maybe even the return from the Babylonian exile. But the new NIV, the the new, new international version, the the 2011 version, translates the words in verse 1 the same way both of them translate the words in verse 4, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. And that's how the English Standard Version translates it as well. The point is that there was this massive reversal of the situation for good. Now it doesn't mean fortune as in luck. It means the situation, the state of affairs, the position. When God brought the amazing turnaround, He says, we were like men who dreamed. I love that. It seemed too good to be true. We were deliriously happy. We just woke up and our dreams had come true. That's how good it was. When this turnaround happened to these Israelites, they thought it, they must have been dreaming. And it made them incredibly happy. Look at verse 2. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with songs of joy. It doesn't just say, they laughed and they sang. It says our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were filled with songs of joy, shouts of joy. We were so incredibly happy, we had to make some noise about it. Have you ever been so happy you just had to make some noise? I'll bet you have. And these folks were so joyful that the world had to sit up and take notice. Look at verse 2. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. They could see it too. Others, outsiders, the world had to admit that God had been good to them. It was undeniable. And the psalmist says, verse 3, yes, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. We are so glad because we are so blessed. You see how the psalmist looks backwards? We're going to see in just the next verse that this is not how things are right now. Things are not happy for the nation of Israel when the psalmist is writing Psalm 126, but he remembers. He remembers how how good God had been to them. And he gives thanks. I love how we don't know exactly what this psalm was about in history because it makes it easy to translate it into our lives today. What great things has God done for you that you can remember and thank Him for? For some of you right now, today you think it's the awesome mom that God gave to you and the upbringing and the nurture that she provided. For some of you, it was the children God gave to you and the minutes and hours of of, and days and years that you have shared with them. For the Christians in this room, the greatest thing is our salvation. 
Don't just think about physical blessings and material turnarounds. Think about the reversal of fortune, the change in your circumstance that God effected when He rescued you from the domain of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Think about how you felt when you got saved and the songs of joy. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. And so many other ways that God has blessed you and me. We could go on and on. Think about those things today. Relish them, remember them, and thank God for them. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Except when we aren't. So often we look around and we see things that are bad. And we feel the things that hurt. And we long for things to change. Maybe you lost your mom. Or maybe you never had a good relationship with her. Maybe you wanted to have kids, but the Lord never gave them to you. Maybe your children are wayward or estranged from you right now. Or whatever difficult situation you find yourself in. Whatever difficult situation. Whatever difficult situation you can put yourself in this psalm. We don't know exactly what the problem was for Israel when the psalmist wrote Psalm 126, but we know that he longed for things to be the way they used to be. Look at verse 4. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. He's saying, please, do it again. Have you ever thrown a little child into the air and caught them? It's so much fun. Jeremy, Jim, they're still a little young for that right now. Or maybe not, I don't know. But you're in for a treat. Because they get this big-eyed look on their face and they giggle, right? And you're throwing them up and eventually your arms get tired and you put them down on the ground. And what happens next? And what do they say? Again. Do it again, Daddy. That's what the psalmist is saying in verse 4 to God. Do it again. You did it before. I know you can do it once more. Do it again. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev is an arid wilderness in the southern part of Israel. It's a very dry, it's very desert-like. But maybe once a year, maybe at springtime, it'll get a hard rain and it'll just spring to life. Just out of nowhere. Streams in the desert. Do it again. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Turn this parched life into a garden. Bring your life-giving grace into our situation. You can do it. Rush in with your rain and restore us to blessings. Please. Number two, trust God for songs of joy in the future. Trust God for songs of joy still to come. Lord, do it again. Bring the great turnaround. And that could be something more physical or more importantly, something spiritual. Lord, bring me personal revival. 
revive us again. It's because the psalmist is thankful for the songs of joy in the past that he can ask and expect songs of joy in the future. You may feel like there'll never be songs of joy in the future. But the psalmist says he did it before. I know he can do it again. And he expects it. Look how confident he is. Look at verse 5. Those who sow in tears, what's it say? Will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will most certainly return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. There's the sheaves, right? Bringing in the sheaves. He doesn't just ask, he expects God to act. He doesn't just assume that all of God's blessings are back there in the past. He knows with a heart of faith that the best is yet to come. The psalmist is certain. He's trusting. Because that's how his God is. And that's how his God works. The metaphor in verses 5 and 6 is an agrarian metaphor. It's a figure of speech from the world of agriculture and farming. First you sow. Then later you reap. Right? First you sow. Then later you reap. What's interesting here is that the psalmist is sure that the reaping will come. In the world of agriculture, that's not always guaranteed, or at least not a big harvest. But the psalmist trusts God and expects God to provide for the Israelites songs of joy. Just as sure as God brings the seasons, springtime and harvest, there will be reapings of songs of joy. But there will also be tears. Did you see that in verses 5 and 6? You see how the Bible is always honest with us? Do you see the sorrow? Those who sow in tears, it says, will reap songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. This is not some slappy-dappy Pollyanna, happy, happy, happy here. There will be tears. Count on it but do it anyway. The point of verses 5 and 6 is that because you expect God to work, to answer your prayers, you keep on going. You keep on sowing. My old Hebrew professor put it this way, the idea built into the Hebrew verse 6 is difficult to translate neatly into English, but the idea is something like this. The one who faithfully, persistently, diligently goes forth into the field weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall with infallible necessity come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. The continual going out with tears is matched with the certainty of an abundant harvest coming back in. Don't stop now. Keep on going, even through the tears. My wife has told me that a good number of our family dinners have been seasoned by her tears. They drop off her face into the soup. She doesn't feel like making dinner. She's sad about whatever. But she keeps on going. She keeps on stirring. She keeps putting one foot in front of the other. She keeps on sowing. And she expects a big harvest. 
songs of joy are on the way. Little tiny seeds turn into big sheaves. You know what a sheave is? I didn't know. I had to look it up, right? It's a great big bundle of grain, right? It's, it's, you walk out with these little seeds and you scatter them and you're crying. And someday you walk back in with this load on your back and everybody's singing because the harvest has come. Big honking bundles of blessing. Trust God for those future songs of joy and keep on sowing until they come. My friend Blair Murray always saw evangelism in verses 5 and 6 because we sow the Word, right? In Jesus' parable, the seed is the Word of God and we're supposed to sow it, sow it, sow it. And therefore, we expect to come home with converts, with new disciples. I think that's a legitimate application of these verses. Especially for moms. Because you're constantly, if you're a Christian mom, you're constantly sowing the Word into your, mom, your mothering. Your momming. Is that a word? Your mothering. One thing that we can be faithfully sowing into the fields of the world is the Word. But it's just one of the ways that we sow spiritually. This metaphor is talking about everyday faithfulness. Everyday ordinary obedience. Doing the next thing. Doing the right thing. It applies to moms. Because motherhood is hard and often sad. So anyway. So in tears. Do the next thing. Cook the meal. Clean. Feed. Train. Wipe. Teach. Forgive. Dress, undress, spank, coach, coax, lift, push, pull, carry, and then repeat. Keep sewing, moms. Sew in tears if you have to. Tearful prayers. Parent-teacher conferences. Little league games, soccer tournaments, doctor's appointments. Bills, bills, bills. Do the next thing. Keep on going. Carry your seed out there and sow it in faith. Even through your tears. And expect God to work. Expect there to be songs of joy to come. Mouths filled with laughter. Tongues with songs of joy. Sheaves. But this psalm is not just for mothers. It's for all of us. In a few weeks, we'll see it again in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, which says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It might feel a little bit like death. When our Lord Jesus did it, He sowed Himself. He Himself was the seed going into the ground, but He came back up with a new glorious body. And we are His sheaves. It's worth it, friends. Trust God for the songs of joy in your future. Keep going even through the tears. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that every prayer of our hearts will be answered in the way we want it. Not every wayward child, for example, will come home. God has not promised that. But He has promised a bountiful harvest for those who trust Him and keep on sowing their seeds of faith and obedience. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, 
will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him.